یہ انٹرنیشنل گیم ہے اس میں دماغ سے کھیلا جاتا ہے غصے سے نہیں Hello everybody and welcome to episode 22 of Hoop Darshan. Hoop Darshan! How's it going, Karan? It's all good. Uh, we're on episode 22 now and I'm very excited to have our, our guest on for episode 22. Is one of the, he should have been one of our first guests actually because he was one of the first people to come to India with basketball. Uh, Mr. J.D. Walsh, how are you doing? I'm good. I am a little hurt. I'm number 22, and uh, I feel like one of the ghosts of Christmas past, but I guess I'll, 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 I'll take it. I'm having flashbacks to the Taj Hotel in New Delhi right now and sitting down with you for the first time, but it's always a pleasure to talk to you, especially That's to talk right. about I'm, India basketball. I mean, you were one of my first, um, maybe the first like full-on, you know, quote-unquote celebrity interview. Uh, I did a story on you for, for, for Slam years ago. That was, I think, 2009. Uh, it may have been, yeah, 2009 or 2007, and surely there was nowhere to go but up. But um, I think India basketball has gone on such a, such a rise with so many people coming that it's become uh, an exciting time to, uh, to be a part of it and actually to historically uh, uh, categorize the, the movement, so to speak. And you were really the guy who has memorialized a lot of, of what's gone on in the history of the game, especially, I would call it the modern era since 2000, in India basketball history, 2005, 2006, kind of. Well, I mean, in that sense, it kind of helped that, uh, that, that you were already there because I had something to go to. Because at first, there was none of this. Like, the NBA barely existed. India right. there was no reliance money there was just people like you who were just going out and kind of as you called it, you called it a movement and you wanted to start a movement um, let me just like introduce you a little bit to people to the very few people who may not know the famous JD Walsh uh, JD you, you you play for Maryland right I did I did play for Maryland in the early 90s and um, just to I guess a little little back back history on me Um, I played played for a short time in Ireland and then I got into coaching and I was a high school coach in New York for many years and uh, along the way trained got into the, the camps and clinics and training and worked with all sorts of players all over the world from kindergartners to NBA players spent a lot of time in China in the early 2000s helping the uh, CBA to Uh, and uh, basically bringing teams over to play against the national team and the camps and helping helping them grow their infrastructure and and such and then uh, along the way uh, ran ran my program and or coached in about I think 10 different countries uh, I guess some of the highlights were working with Maccabi Tel Aviv um, in, in Israel um, sort of consulting there and scouting so some training coaching and then in 2007 basically fell in love with uh, with India and and spent a good five uh, more or less five years there uh, trying to beachhead and work with the various Indian uh, government agencies and and uh, companies that were looking to integrate and help to grow and promote the game of basketball so I when I first got to India 
Uh, I was invited by boy Apoor Santaki, whose family um, owns a printing company, Bluebird Printing, out of Pune. And they invited me. He's a huge basketball enthusiast. In fact, most of those guys I saw were on that team who played on his team are now on that team that played in that uh, summer pro kind of league. I saw some highlights on that. And um, it's, it's, it's good to see that consistency. I mean, I showed up, say, 2007 in the morning, and there was about 300, 400 kids on a basketball court at Ferguson College. And it just sort of uh, had taken off from there. And Judy, I think you also did a bunch of programs with the U.S. Department of State. I think you were uh, uh, you were named a sports di- sports diplomat, if I'm not wrong, by the Department of State. I have done quite quite a bit of work for the State Department in India and out of India as part of their. They do have a sport diplomacy effort. I've did a lot in the Gulf there and Qatar uh, and then in India. My first trip to India was actually spurred on by a friend of mine, a friend. Uh, a girlfriend who's now my wife, actually, who's from Kashmir. <laughs> so she's a wife, uh, basically. Ooh, now girlfriend. seven <laughs> girlfriend in two thousand six. Life, life, life goes on. I'm a blessed, lucky man. And anyway, her. You're literally uh, married to India basketball. I am, in a way, in a way. Um, she uh, was on a board of an orphanage in Kashmir called Chinar, and at the time I had done some programs with Israeli and Palestinian kids and bringing uh, kids together through sport, which went along with some of the diplomatic mission. It, although this was not a U.S. Department of State program, I did the program up in Srinagar, Burnhall School, and it was a big success. That was actually the very same trip I had gone down to Pune and, and, and started that. So... Uh, from that time, the, the, the Department of State had programming, and I think I, I, I know I did North, South, East, West, India. Worked with pretty much every single. I worked with the, you know all the embassies, and then in 2011, don't kill me if my dates aren't exactly correct, but uh, I had won a grant with George Mason University to do a three-year program in India, which was pretty extensive through the U.S. Department of State's ECA program, Fostering Cultural Goodwill, and that was extensive. Our local partner was the Basketball Federation of India, and we ran programs with uh, one of the former Olympic U.S. coaches, Craig Escherich and Bob Baker from George Mason. We ran programs all over India, and we brought 12 coaches from India over to the U.S. for training, and that was a, that was a lot of fun. That was some good stuff. And and now you're back in New York. I think you're based between New York and and out the DC area. Yeah, no, I'm basically ba- based uh, based in New York, and I'm still doing a lot of basketball and training and and, and things like that. And uh, really, just 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 waiting for the right time to reemerge uh, uh, back more on the global on the global scene. I'd spent uh, the last two years finishing some school and getting a master's and uh, just finish that and and just looking looking to figure out uh, what's next fantastic we will definitely speak of our beloved new york Knicks since you're there eventually but before we get to that i want to ask you what's been sort of some of your you know favorite coaching memories in india um like <laughs> well you you kind of mentioned how you got started you said you got started with, with, with the program in chinar right uh, yeah for, for chinar in kashmir so tell me some, uh, a few more 
you know, memorable moments? Well, most of the memorable moments, I mean, I remember being in Trevendapuram and an elephant jumping on a basketball court and us having a wow. practice. <laughs> That was that's definitely up there with the most memorable moments. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not, to, <laughs> not to mention cows and monsoons and other <coughs> other kinds of uh, other kinds of extraordinary be- things that happen uh, to me along along the way. Uh, the from a basketball perspective, um, I had spent some time training the national team when I don't even know if you guys remember Alexander Bukin, who was the coach yes. years ago. So I'd spent some time there when he was there. And then later on, I got on the court a couple of days to. So I started call, consider it the real grassroots level where uh, the talent level is very low, not a lot going on to basically Satnam Singh, obviously now drafted in the NBA and watching him come up. And um, I'd spent a couple of days. When Kenny Nat was there, he let me jump on with him with the national team and uh, and work with him. So th- those those kinds of things were, you know, were certainly memorable. I mean, I remember doing doing the camps over in uh, Don Bosco in Mumbai, and and then coming back for that Sunday morning game that they have. Uh, so, I mean, there's just so many memories, so many great people that were part of the game. Subash. Uh, down in in Bangalore, and um, so just just so many memories. I mean, so many wonderful people, and, and 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 watching the game grow, and so many enthusiastic basketball people who were just so primed and ready for something, anything to to happen, just to keep the game going and actually turn it into not just a marketable sport for the sake of business, but actually so it could actually sustain and and and, and be and be reputable. Uh, Chidi, you've you've obviously travelled a whole different places in India. Um, Karan tells me Kashmir, Mumbai, Chennai, and you also mentioned Pune some time back. Uh, what do you think are the similarities and the differences between how basketball is in different parts of the country based on your experiences? A good, great question. I mean, I still think that um, I think that the basketball hotbed of India. And look, I'm a few years removed, so. Hope you don't get any calls from people who, who want to uh, curse me out, saying I don't know what I'm talking about. I can't see you. Put that prerequisite on your question. Yeah. Uh, but we, basically, we, I, we get cursed out all the time, JD. It's fine. Oh, okay. It's fine. As long as they do it in Hindi, it's fine. By the way. Uh, <laughs> or Bengali or Telugu. No, I would argue that um, that Chennai is, was the basketball hotbed, in a sense, in the fact that. They were most organized. I thought they had um, a real passion for the game, and uh, I thought that TNBA did a good job. And then SDAT seemed to have taken over. So at one time, I would definitely say it was Chennai. Uh, I love, I mean, the basketball community in Bombay, and Ibrahim, and all those guys. I mean, I'm still, you know, having fond memories of Harish and the BFI and that whole crew. I don't know if. Who, who or what's taken over in the last couple of years since since sadly he expired but um, I had I had a lot of memories there Pune you know great you know basketball I also spent a lot of time in West Bengal State in Kolkata I thought that was that was great um, as far as coaches who've been most interested Kerala I think those coaches were the most uh, forthright about trying to find me and get and get their information out and get going. Uh, Delhi, uh, UP State, 
Obviously, when they put in JP Green, that became an actual location where you could work with people in a, in a kind of a professional manner. And there were some great players um, coming coming to UP. I guess some, I guess the better ones were um, on the girls' side. You know, the Singh sister and then sisters, and then and, and from Punjab. You had a lot of the bigger the bigger kids. You know, Teja Singh would would bring some of these guys down, and they just had a different body type than than most of the rest of the country. So, I guess that's a long winded answer to uh, to probably what could have been a for sure question. But that that was my uh, basic viewpoint on on some of the places that that I've been. It's great to have so many different perspectives from you know different parts of the country. Like we say, I mean, everybody talks about how diverse India is and if you're looking at it from the basketball angle and telling us what it's like it's, it's definitely great to hear that um, what would you say have been some of your toughest times I'm sure it's, it wasn't all um, rosy and easy no obviously look India India what was so fascinating about being India at the time uh, the growth of India the emergence of, of India uh, for me culturally and socially seeing how India is just a disparity and uh, just going from state to state and how each state is almost like a different country, different religion, food, music, all of that. Some of the harder times, I mean, I was in the Taj uh, two days before the attack and uh, was lucky not to have been there that day. I um, just ended up in the hospital five or six times. One time got really sick. Uh, it almost took out my appendix that didn't need to be taken out. <laughs> I mean, it was it was these kinds of stories were were tricky. And then, of course, every time you get in a car and you do a long trip in India, you have at least one one uh, close brush in death. <laughs> <laughs> but you're, luckily, you're I still survived. doing fine for yourself, it seems. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Well, you get nine lives, so and they also say people have nine realities. So in one of them, I think I'm. Uh, I'm on a roadside somewhere in, <laughs> in, in West Bengal State or something, you know. <laughs> well, well, the brilliance of India is that, like, everything is a constant close brush with death, and therefore you're always celebrating life. <laughs> it's true. No, I, I mean, I was fascinated by the Indian culture, and it had come to me, frankly, on the, on the back of doing basketball in so many other places. And that's what made it so fascinating to me is just because you have a chance to really um, – put your input on on the growth of the game and you know the, for the good of the game it was just a, it's and still is just a great place to 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 go and, and and to be a part and to observe it and um now that i'm i'm rethinking about some of your questions before and you know the the energy you know in some of the some of the tournaments that you would see i mean even if you would go to don bosco i mean you go to this old court and then next thing you know they would put up these stands and fix it up. It looked like Madison Square Garden in two hours. It's like unbelievable. With, you know, I don't know how many fans, but they were fervent, going crazy. And it, in that sense, it was really, really good. Really enjoyed that. JD, when you started off, um, and in, in like your five years in India, you must have had some sort of like a like a rough blueprint of or a mission for you know for, for, for to grow basketball in India. I want to know, like, how much of the mission do you feel you achieved, and what do you feel you left unfinished? That's a great. That's a great question. I mean, frankly, uh, like any like anything else, for me, you know, 
came down to it's a long commute uh, from New York to Mumbai, which I was making almost monthly. And also sustainability. I mean, I think I was in India at the time. It was very early. And um, I also think that, uh, you know, once you know, the NBA had come in and, and Reliance had come in with their agenda, I tried to partner with them in any which way that I could to maintain sustainability. Uh, they had their way of doing things, and which was fine. That was a way to do things on a larger, you know, a larger scope. On the smaller scope, I think I could, I can continue and still can uh, continue um, doing the camps and um, and keeping it going. But I think <laughs> the major thing for me was was uh, not that I, I, you know, I left India. It's just that life changed and and and, and chose basically um, for a short time to go back to school and uh, I couldn't be in two places at once. So for me, it's not a matter of necessarily uh, the movement stopped or anything that I started. And, you know, with all the kids that I've worked with, I mean, I think there was hundreds of I mean, those, you know, in five years, I mean, there's hundreds and hundreds of days that we work with players, thousands of players had come to through one of my camps and programs. So you spark you know that is that is your legacy. Um, from a business perspective, I'm not so sure where sports is uh, or basketball is yet in the marketing uh, sense to to actually run and sustain as someone who's who's coming. And there's also um, visa requirement, business requirement. It's it's challenging. It's challenging to to keep to keep that to keep that going when you're an entrepreneur on your own in a foreign country. Never never mind India. So. In a sense, I feel like we definitely got the spark going. Um, got a lot of attention, which was which was fun. Um, met a lot of great people, and I think the journey will continue. I definitely know the journey will continue. It's just been a little bit of a brief hiatus for me. Um, JD, you said you spoke about your brief hiatus, and you said that you're a couple of years removed from what's happening in Indian basketball. Uh, have you been keeping in touch with what, what what's going on, whether it's um, results in, in terms of how the team's performing in FIBA Asia, or, or the mess of the political situation that is happening right now? With like, we don't know who's actually heading BFI. We don't know what's the situation with the coaches and stuff like that. So, how much in tune with like what's happening with Indian basketball are you these days? Well, I have to tell you, I mean, I had in some regard a kindred spirit with Harish on his vision and goal for India basketball and spent a lot of time cultivating that relationship. And and when he suddenly passed, I mean, that also helped to spur me to take a half a step back to wait and see what was going to happen with the Basketball Federation of India and who was going to be in charge and how could we find a way to work together. And... From that uh, um, perspective, I think it's, and I am actively watching, reading uh, everything that's going on um, with India, you know, in a sense with India basketball, especially in the P-Vibe. So, of course, I was excited when they beat China a couple of years back, and I've watched everything Scott, Scott, yeah, <laughs> Scott did. Um, you know, and um, so I guess I, I have paid attention. I have been watching. Uh, I don't know, obviously, like anyone else, what's going to happen with the Basketball Federation of India or the power struggles that are going on uh, in between. Uh, but, you know, 
uh, the good thing is you got guys now actually reporting about this kind of stuff. I mean, when I first went to India, you could Google India basketball and you might get three, three things. Now you probably get 10, 20, 30 pages. So I think in a sense, the game is, is become more exposed. I just think it's time they have to take it to the next level. The stakeholders really have to invest the money to, to grow the infrastructure. And I guess assuming that there is a bit of a power struggle until that's rectified, it's probably going to sit in this, in the same place. All that being said, I would have loved the chance to have helped out a little bit more with the national team. I think I could have added some value there, but you know, yeah, maybe those, in the future. Yeah, those things tend to take away. So you know, whenever you're done with whatever you're planning to do, and you decide in a few years to come back, I'm I'm pretty sure that we'll still be in a political mess. That's just how things are. <laughs> <laughs> Mess isn't just, word. It's just a rebirth, huh? Yeah. <laughs> uh, just to uh, kind of, you know, bring some of our listeners up to date with what we're talking about. Uh, Harish, who JD mentioned, is uh, was Harish Sharma. He was the former Secretary Gen- General and CEO of the Basketball Federation of India. He's the man who kind of like oversaw everything that happened in Indian basketball for a little bit over a decade. He he hired me to work with the BFI for a year and a half too. Um, and after he passed away, they made his wife, uh, Rupam Sharma, the CEO of the BFI. And then a year after that, or a year and a half after that or something, basically that's when the, the tension began. And right now the whole problem is basically that there's a certain faction led by, led by Mrs. Rupam Sharma that claims to be the executive committee of the BFI. And there's a different faction led by Mr. Govind Raj down in Bangalore that claims to be the, second, the same executive comi- committee of the BFI and you know they, they, they lock horns one of them claims to have um, permission from FIBA the other one claims to have permission from the Indian Olympic Committee and basketball in the middle is the one getting screwed up so <laughs> yeah. well at the same time I mean I think that uh, one thing that people don't realize and it's similar uh, this is probably where the similar similarities for me um, begin and end with China basketball is that India is actually fairly well organized when you when you look into it that every state is organized with their club system in a sense they have a you know a pyramid on uh, organizing the players and the coaches actually uh, I was impressed with how organized it actually was and I think I mean, I started going to, to India. It was almost pre-Facebook. So, and now that um, social media has become so so accessible, I don't mean pre-Facebook. Facebook. I mean pre-Facebook in in India, right? When I first went yeah, to India, yeah. there was like, I think, fifty million um, email IDs filled out. That's it. Now there's probably okay. half a billion, if if not more. So it just shows you like that. I think once it's sorted out, it can be very quickly managed. I just eventually. Um, FIBA will, will will force their hand into some kind of election, and then and then I'm assuming that they'll they'll stick with it and you know move forward. Um, but I also think one of the reasons why is because unlike cricket, and, and you guys fight the same thing I think I've fought for years, is that uh, it becomes s- secondary because. There's not a lot of um, there's not enough interest in the game to create enough of a, a business value that companies want to spend and invest in infrastructure. They want to spend and invest in marketing. They're using it as a marketing tool. So until that happens, it's kind of in this gray area because 
people don't don't want to take the charge just yet because you know it's like waiting for a real estate property to you know the area to get better and then once the area is better then eventually for sure they'll um you know they'll sort they'll sort they'll sort this out and it's a lot of the same people it's just with different factions i mean i did a clinic a coaching clinic for gopin raj i remember back in years ago with alexander buchan that was probably in 2008 2009 down in bangalore so i've i've, I've met him i know he's been part of the olympic uh committee and the sports authority of india i believe for a long long time so at some point um when basketball has the resources or, or generates the interest I think they'll be able to, you know, to sort to sort this out. But it's come a long way. I mean, that's the thing too. I mean, India is such a young country, number one. But if you look at um, the fact that when I first went to India, there were two guys down in South India bringing the Harlem Globetrotters. I don't know if you remember that, Carm. I mean, they had so few people. They tried to charge two dollars a ticket. They had so few people that the people that went got to play on the on the court with the Globetrotters themselves. <laughs> so. From that to like Satnam being in the NBA, I think that's that's that that's pretty good in in only a you know twelve or thirteen year year time frame. I think the NBA has actually done a very good job of um, streamlining India or trying to guide India. I mean, I know they, I don't know where they are now with the relationship with BFI, but my day, you know, they were in the office every day and trying to help them to professionalize it, which was great. Reliance through IMG. Uh, I guess they had the the money and the wherewithal to, um, to to get the machine to at least a place where they they could could count on a consistent budget. Because before that, I think it was just local funders, whether it was the local oil and gas company or Harish himself or whomever, just was keeping it alive. I think they I think they are on on almost like a next step. Now the the. The mess you describe, I think it's more like growing pains than a than a catastrophe. That's the way I would look at it. Well, you you mentioned NBA and Satnam. Uh, what do you think will be could be the the future effect of the fact of, of like the India's growing relationship with NBA and of someone like Satnam who's on the cusp of becoming the first Indian to play in the NBA? Oh, obviously Satnam Satnam making the making the team, and I know. And spent some time with him. Uh, he, he he's he really is a competitor and a warrior, and it's not just his size. He, he he plays with a great energy. I'd love to see him make make the make the roster. Um, I know Mark Cuban's a businessman. He'd love to have a billion more fans uh, in <laughs> India for sure. Like, but I I, I like. Um, I, you know, the, the, I think the best thing the NBA did was really professionalize the and help to and help India, the Basketball Federation of India, understand a little bit more on the world scale how things are done for best practices. But at the same, you know, at the same time, India India kind of knows the world; they know best practices. Uh, but I think the best thing they've done to grow and promote the game is actually probably brought NBA players to India so and coaches so that they can help help the coaches to um, you know just be in touch with with training technique and just be in the basketball conversation. I think you know make 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 a make a huge difference. I don't think India is that far in the dark. I just think 
that when people actually physically go and they're performing, it, it has a um, a larger effect. It has a it has a more of a circular and uh, transcendent effect. And I think the NBA, of course, the global leader, uh, global brand on on basketball. The best players in the world play in the NBA. The best coaches in the world are in the NBA. And uh, anytime you can get them to come, uh, is 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 great. You know, I think that that's that's been the major the major help I've seen. Uh, JD, let's just change gears a little bit. We've spoken we've spoken quite a lot about um, India, and we spoke briefly about the NBA. So I want I want to focus on things that are happening closer to where you live, not New York, because that I think Karan and you must go on like this complete awesome New York next tangent. We'll get to that, but. Um, <laughs> Be careful what you wish for there. <laughs> We missed a shot at the buzzer last night to win. I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, with what's happening in the NBA, and I think uh, we're all witnessing something really special with what's happening down in Golden State, uh, with with Steph Curry playing like he's an alien, and with Warriors playing like they're the next best thing since you know since Jordan's Bulls. Uh, mm-hmm. are, are you buying into this hype? Do you think that they are? They're this truly special and like a transcendent team. And what do you think of um, how Steph Curry is balling at the moment? I mean, what, what what can you say? They haven't lost. Yeah. I mean, the funny thing or the interesting thing to me is that um, not only are they winning, but they're winning. And uh, rarely do you see a team win and their best player is well-liked by the um you know is well liked by the um by the rest of the team and you know curry seems to have that i don't know what deal he made with the devil to be able to like <laughs> some shot. i want that deal if it's available some way somehow but he's just been great and i think what it does is a couple of things one i think it brings the understanding. I mean, the Spurs did this a couple of years ago, and still today about teamwork in the NBA. At some point in time, and the NBA will say this himself in their boardroom, they decided to market players versus teams. So, in that regard, it's nice to see the result of teams actually coming together. I mean, the other night you had Clay Thompson go for 39, and and I think. Uh, you, you could see that Stephen Curry is just as happy, and they get the win, and they and they just keep going. Um, I think he deserves obviously everything he can get. Although I will tell you, he's been good, really good for two years, or great for two years. Some of these comparisons they're getting a little, uh, a little bit uh, presumptuous to compare to Michael Jordan and things like this. Look, I feel like he needs to do this for a few more years. He's won a championship. He's, I think, he's the best in the league right now. Although LeBron and him, to me, are kind of neck and neck for that. I'm not ready to ready to give up LeBron uh, on that one. Um, but, but you know, that's, time, time will tell. Time, time will tell. But he, he has been nothing short of amazing. And he is, in basketball circles, all the talk. I mean, every article, every talk right now in the U.S., I'm not sure if you follow on basketball, include something with, with Stefan. Yeah. And I think he's a yeah. really good guy, which is nice to see. You know, he's, he's a good role model. You're right about him being well-liked. Like, I don't... And I think it goes beyond to fans as well. Like, it's very rare that the, the best player in the NBA or the most popular player in the NBA is almost universally liked. At this point, if, 
I, I will not trust a human being who dislikes Steph Curry. Like I will not, I will not trust them as a human. <laughs> <laughs> I think that there's only one person who can take the limelight away from him, and that's Riley Curry, who still hasn't made an appearance this season. <laughs> <laughs> I think they realize. Look, uh, you know, it's it's cute in the beginning, and then all of a sudden, when you're at a two-year-old getting getting all this attention, it can be pretty cumbersome. And what are the effects going to be in post post that? Um, they're going to unleash her. Pretty the savvy media people. Yeah, I mean, look, she had, she's, she's so cute. I mean, what can you say? But I think at some point, you know, it's, it, it, it's not. It's almost unfair to the kid because it's yeah. to grow up in the limelight being so young and just because you're famous just because. I mean, that's like Kardashian stuff. I think it's like <laughs> your dad's a good basketball player. That's great. She's gonna do great things in her own life. Um, and that's and that's that. But you're right. Very few. And and also, I think they had another child too. And I don't think I've ever seen seen that video yet so yeah she, she, she'll be on stage someday singing uh, drake lyrics and whatnot so it'll happen no too. great why not i mean the <laughs> owner of the king's is uh daughters also now a rap star so why not yeah, yeah. shout out to anjali ranadive that's right that's right i'm gonna like her facebook page now i gotta <laughs> man if 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 she were promoted a bit more in India, there'd be a lot more people on Facebook liking her right now. That, I, I just, you're uh, probably right about that. Probably more than yeah. the Kings, that's for sure. A lot more. I mean, Vivek uh, <laughs> needs to get on. Vivek needs to realize India's creep quotient. It's, it's off the hook right now. So. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's funny. So, 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 so JD, do you, um, do, you, do you feel that our Knicks can, uh, can scalp the Warriors the next time the, the next time <laughs> Steph Curry sh- sh- shows up in New York? Think it's possible. I mean, maybe if they lock his hotel room and don't let him out, <laughs> don't let him out. Maybe. No, I think the Knicks can beat anyone. I mean, yeah, actually, I think this team is is, and I've enjoyed watching. Uh, I haven't been able to get to any practices. I, I'm always trying to see NBA and college practices, but I, you know, watching the, watching the, um, you know, watching watching the Knicks evolve. You know, some games are up, some games are down. More games are up this year than down. I think that um, they're playing more like a team. They've got probably 12 guys that could play. They've got two or three stars, I would say, two, actually. And everyone else is a bit of a role player. I think Fisher's trying to figure out who plays well with who during which time of the game. And I think once he sorts that out and is able to figure out that, I think this could be a pretty good team because you've got – You've got, of course, Carmelo, people who seem to like to discount, but he's still one of the best players in the league. And then you've got Porzingis, who's now also starting to emerge, I mean, is one of the best uh, players in the league. They've got two guys who can play the point guard. They've got two rebounders. I'm not as big a fan of uh, Lopez as I think you are. Oh, I like Robin. (laughs) I know you like Robin. I'm not as big a fan. But I think he's serviceable. He starts the games. He does well. I think they've got... Guys like O'Quinn, and I think if uh, a guy like um, Derek Williams deserves a lot more time, I think he's a, tr- a true scorer, could really help them. Uh, it reminds me a little bit of Spreewell in a sense that he comes in and he's just very, very pro energy. Not that he shoots the ball like Spreewell, but but uh, I like him. So I like this team. It's it's, it's frustrating. I mean, I, I, watching them last night, you watch them for three quarters and it looks like last year and then they come back and get the game back in, in reach and then lose in the end so it's that's the next you tweeted like I think a few years ago um, that, that that the Mellow was setting screens for Chris Stapp's 
to shoot yeah can yeah. you can you like put into perspective how great the fact that kristaps got zingis like he's the the fact that he fell to us number 4 and he may be rookie of the year and the greatest thing to happen to new york basketball since like patrick ewing <laughs> is that or am i am i am i overdoing it right now I think you're overdoing it a little bit. Actually, I would love to get. I would for number four. Let me answer the first the first point. Yeah, I did tweet that out, but I would love to know if behind closed doors, if you had Carmelo and ask him, did you really mean to set that screen, or were you just kind of there and it was an accident? Just, or like what? Just so what's happened. going on? There? Yeah, it, 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 it happened. No, I actually. And, but but to be serious, uh, I think Carmelo's grown. He's seeing a lot of his contemporaries. I'm sure people he feels are his peers, and they win championships. And people get judged by winning, and I think he really wants to win. I really get that sense about him, and uh, he's always won. I mean, he won at Syracuse, won in high school, and he just hasn't won in the sense in the NBA. Some of it's probably within his control. Some of it was is not. I think there's a lot to what Phil Jackson has to say about sharing the basketball and the Zen of being teamwork and trusting your teammates. Although up until this season, I'm not sure how many teammates he had to trust. And now with Porzingis getting better and better, he is definitely the problem. There's no question. He's the best rookie the Knicks have had since I would say Patrick Ewing, and he's going to continue to get better. Um, I like his fight, his work ethic. I mean, he shoots the ball. Well, I like to see him get a little stronger inside and finish. And he will in a year or two. The only concern I have, I mean, he's better than Yao Ming now, if you think about it that way. But we are also in this era with social media. I mean, we live in this 30 second, you do something in 30 seconds, the whole world knows. I mean, there were a lot of great players over the years who've, who've come through and come in the game and had a good first two months in the NBA. But you know, it was the media uh, exposure wasn't as much, so you didn't see it as much. The key will be at the end of the year to see how his seven foot three inch body continues to take the um, you know the, the travels and wears and of, of the NBA I mean it's a wear and tear on your body physically emotionally although he was a pro in Spain I mean I don't <clears throat> done a lot in European basketball they play half the amount of games and they play on the weekends it's an entirely different focus so and especially when you compare him to guys like um, Greg Oden, Guys like Yao Ming, guys like uh, Rick Smiths, guys like guys that size that played in the NBA uh, for some time, and and their physical the physical health. Now the difference with him is he doesn't move like a guy that's seven foot three. You know he moves like a guy that's six six nine six ten who can run the run the floor. So injury if he stays injury free, I mean I think he'll probably if he stays on this track, it seems like he could be one of the best. I mean, it's hard to say. It's so premature, but just projecting, you know, if you project him with 25 more pounds of muscle on his body, I mean, he could be potentially the best uh, European or potentially the best foreigner to ever play in the NBA at that size. It's very hard to guard. I mean, DeMarcus Cousins yesterday, um, who's not known for his defense, was trying to defend, and there wasn't much he could do just because of his size. I mean, you he's just he's just he's just so big and he's just going to continue to you know to improve it'd be nice to see grant and um galloway and some of these other guards start to mature and and work with him as um mellow continues to to get a little bit older and uh to see how the team how the team can really grow but jd you've been a knicks fan for out of zoom many many decades right um 
what would you say was your favorite ever like next moment oh uh, man i hate to be cliche on this i mean because <laughs> is it, is it well, number one is it One no, oh God, no, no, it's not. <laughs> For many other reasons, I'll tell you off off camera. Uh, no, my favorite. I mean, look, <laughs> uh, I wasn't. I, I'm, I'm not old enough to remember the championships. Like, you know, my uncles would always talk about Dave DeBusher, and I actually have met most of these guys along the way, and Bill Bradley, uh, and all these legends and things like that. But, I mean, and I hate to say this because it's not a championship uh, moment. And it's hard to say, oh, this was your favorite. It wasn't a championship moment. But I don't have a, a championship, I think, in my lifetime. Uh, if it was, I was a baby. It was John Stark's dunk. I mean, I, come on. Yeah. That's the best play <laughs> yep. in, in, in yep. Knicks history. Yep. I mean, it epitomized New York. The guy was just... You know, the guy started was kept his dream alive by bagging groceries, and he made it to the top. And 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 the biggest stage, he went over the biggest player in the world, and he finished it. Unfortunately, the Knicks didn't win the series, but at the same time, um, I think that epitomized New York, and it was just such a dynamic play that that was uh, my that was probably my most memorable moment. On the flip side, I was at the game. I don't know if you remember in the playoffs against the Pacers when. Um, Reggie Miller stole those three. You know, no, hit the threes. I was there. I was actually. <laughs> that never happened. That, that's uh, black from I, my memory. Um, <laughs> yeah, you, you may have blocked that one, but uh, <laughs> but 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 uh, it was such a great play that that was probably my my uh, anti Nick highlight. But uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know so. I think like uh, like in contemporary years I, I actually feel like. It's gone out of people's memories quite quickly, as quickly as it happened. But Linsanity was pretty damn great. Like those few months yeah. Of, yeah, of what that's... Jeremy Lin did to for New York Knicks, and just you know, it was pretty unbelievable. Like every day was like something shocking is happening. Yeah, and nothing no, like I... that will ever happen again. It's, yeah, yeah, that was some unlikely. some kind of alternative reality. Uh... <laughs> Where God steps in and just divinely, uh, yeah. But you say that, but then Stephen Curry does this every single night. But yeah, insanity for the Knicks uh, with 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 uh, Jeremy Lin just going off like that was just a whole other world. But it also goes to say there are a lot of guys when they get in a groove where they have that confidence and the style of play is, in his case, very open. Where if given the chance, they can you know they can be great. And energy feeds off. I'm a firm believer and. Not just the X's and O's of basketball, but also how to create that energy at the right time. I mean, you can't keep that up forever, but at the right time. And uh, it was sad to see Jeremy Lin leave the Knicks. I don't know why they didn't retain him. I guess it was a financial situation. But, it was going to um, be too expensive. Yeah. Yeah, and he hasn't done much since. But I think it shook him out of his rhythm to be away from, you know. You know the Knicks, and I guess he had gone, and he was down in Houston, and then they, you know, they got another pretty good guard, <laughs> and uh, you know that was that was kind of it for that was kind of, and I guess he's having a decent season for Charlotte. He's been he's been decent for Charlotte, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, JD, my last uh, Knicks question is: um, If you were another JD, James Dolan, yeah. what would you do? What would be your what would be your first move as as the Knicks man, the man in charge. Oh, if I was the G, you're you're saying if I was the GM, if you were, if, if you were James, if you were James Dolan. Oh, if I was James Dolan. Oh gosh, J- J- JD nice James time. Dolan. 
And I would, I would I, I'd make myself the coach and fire the staff. Just kidding. Uh, oh, so, not, oh, so you'd be, be like, there. you'd be like Jackie Moon oh, no. in Smith Pro. Yeah, why not? <laughs> why not? That's one way to get in, right? Um, you know what? I think he's actually done a pretty good job. I mean, he he used to spend a lot more time in the media, and I think since he's hired Phil Jackson, he's really take, taken a step back. I don't think I recall him being involved at all this year. Uh, maybe not in the front line. I think that's a good step. And I think hiring Phil Jackson was a very good, a very good step. Uh, I think grooming a young coach, Phil Jackson's idea. Keep in mind, Steve Kerr was supposed to be the coach, by the way, and he backed out. So, um, you know, Derek Fisher, it's going to, you know, it's going to be some, be some growing pains. The, you know, the only thing I would have done differently, I mean, I was not a fan of Stoudemire signing uh, in a lot of ways. I, I, I was because I think it set the Knicks back a lot of money. And the reason why I wouldn't have taken him was not necessarily his game uh, or his attitude, but because he had already had a knee surgery at 20, I think 27 or something like that. And I would have rather, if they were going to fold, I've just saved the cap money and, and gotten a better. You know, better, better player in re, in return. Um, but th- th- to me, that's that's kind of that, that's kind of it right now. I mean, I think they're gonna now. The key is going to be to save the money to build a team around Porzingis, and how and how is that going to, and how is that going to look? Because he is not a five, so they're going to need actual, an actual center who can rebound and take pressure off. And they're going to either need to develop one of those two point guards and Grant, which I think Grant's firmly capable of Galloway. I think he's also capable and, um, and, and go, we'll have to wait and see, uh, how this season plays out. And I guess how the, how the off se- how the off season goes. Jiri, we always end every episode with a game that we like to play called rapid fire. Oh but boy. I've got a bunch of, uh, questions that may be off the mark a little bit. But uh, you're expected to <laughs> you're expected to answer them in about three seconds. <laughs> I'm, okay, okay, I'm expecting. Okay, okay, okay. You, you can you can think, JD. <laughs> I, I am, and if I don't answer in three seconds, can we go to the next question? <laughs> <laughs> that usually doesn't happen, but we'll see. We'll see. When, when we get <laughs> that there, we'll be, figure that'd it be out. an awkward silence. <laughs> uh, cool. So let's get you started with some of the easier ones. Uh, what has been your favorite place to eat in India? Kareem's New Delhi Chanda Chalk Market. Nice, nice. That's a good one. <laughs> and what's your favorite um, Indian? Or wait a second, picture? I got a part B to that. Gaylords in Bombay, also, also a favorite. Also, those are both top notch. Uh, and Trishna, right and Trishna Bombay. I mean, I like to eat, so you're asking <laughs> the wrong guy if you don't want one. JD, or the right guy. I would recommend Lutiana Amun's chicken if you're ever there. Ooh, that's that's the spot. Best yes. butter chicken on earth. Yeah, uh, I've been I've been trying to get Amun's chicken sponsorship for Hoop Darshan since we started. Hasn't worked out yet. But. Yeah, I was just gonna say we give <laughs> working them, on it. We give them a shout out every episode without them sponsoring us. So, <laughs> so then why would they sponsor you? <laughs> yeah, Jerry, that's probably the reason why both of us are not entrepreneurs, and you are. <laughs> <laughs> we are just chicken eaters. That's all it is. <laughs> Um, so, uh, what's your favorite Indian meal that that you kind of crave for when you're in the U.S.? My my mother-in-law's cooking is unbelievable, Kashmiri style, 
uh, yakni to everything. That's her specialty. So I am firmly blessed uh, with a mother-in-law. I mean, we go there, she'll put like 10 dishes on the table. It's unbelievable. So I actually, I actually dream about her food when she's not around. <laughs> you, you, you must have had that uh, 46-course Kashmiri meal. I, I forget what they call that, but I'm sure you must have... Uh... Must have oh, experienced that's that. like that's like that's like every night very blessed very very blessed uh, actually uh, but you know it, it's nothing like and people don't understand this there's nothing like a home cooked Indian meal I mean we have a couple of good Indian restaurants in New York but it's not the same you've got to go where someone knows they have their own spices their own pots they they have recipes that they refuse to share because they've been handed down for so many <laughs> generations. <laughs> you know, there's arguments over the food after they're done. Which, by the way, I've broken into the Kashmiri community here with my chai. I learned how to make really good Indian uh, oh, chai that's uh, in South to have. India. Yeah, so that was that was been my end actually. So now I'm known I as get, the chai guy down there. You have the you have the good pass now. You can, you can be the chai. It's all good. Yeah. I'll sponsor you. I'll send you free chai, guys. Keep you awake at JD night. JD Chai? That's sponsored by JD Chai. Oh, really? That's right. Our first sponsor. Yeah. Woohoo. <laughs> oh, it's not good enough for you, man. I'm number 21 guest. I'm like, you don't want my chai. Oh, my God. Come to Australia. I'm going to find you. <laughs> Give me some chai. <laughs> Force, a force feed chai. Man, I brew it for like... I brew it for like two and a half hours, man. It's strong stuff. So that's the right way to do it, though. Okay, yeah, next time, exactly. next time I see you in North America, I'm, I'm demanding this. Anytime, anytime. Actually, I made it for you. <laughs> you can ask. Actually, you can ask Divya Singh. She came to my house. I made it for her. So uh, you can you can ask her what she thinks of my chai. By the way, have you interviewed her? Have we interviewed her sister? Oh, okay. Got it. Well, good. As long as I got to you guys before she did, then it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> what's uh, what's your favorite slang from India that you still like you, you want to use but you can't because you're not uh, that I can say on uh, on radio you can say anything I think I say acha I mean more than anything I still find myself saying acha you know like um, that's obviously not something we say here in New York or in America that's probably it it's uh, I've got a friend here I mean, I can also just apkisayo. I don't say it that often, but I have a friend who moved here from Bombay who's opening up a salon and a good, good, good buddy. So we we use a couple of the of the Hindi words. You know, we'll speak. We'll speak. Um, we're trying to talk numbers around people who have no idea what we're saying. I'll do it in in Hindi. <laughs> so I don't know. That, but that's it. I, I don't have a good answer for that. Okay. Um, if you were to come back. To India and bring an NBA player with you as a sports diplomat. Who would it be? And I, I have to insert here that Karan's answer is Meta World Peace. <laughs> oh, that'd be number one. Ron Ron would be number one. Are you kidding me? I've seen and I've known him. Uh, he's probably 12, 13 years old. I would go anywhere with him. That would be that would be a lot of fun. Um, yeah, I, I think guys who are really representative of the game. I think. Um, uh, I have to think. I mean, Stephen Curry, obviously, everybody would love to have him, him come. I think Porzingis would be would be interesting now because of his size. I think the Indian, uh, you know, Indians would 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 find him as a 
would find a place as a, a god for him somewhere. <laughs> some statues garlanded of him before he came. <laughs> that would be a lot of fun to see. And, yeah, and there's a lot to rap about him. So yeah, there might so be like a to... part two Indian rap about him. <laughs> oh, oh, you heard the Latvian rap. I know there would oh, be the... Indian hip hop. Yeah. <laughs> There'd be a Bollywood role for him for sure. I could see that. <laughs> It'd be like yeah. this awkward guy who comes and throws things at the hero of the movie, and I can see that happening. <laughs> exactly. The other guy who would be great, who would probably go right now, is Alan Iverson, and I say that because oh wow, you know, the effect the effect that he had on Chinese basketball, less from maybe maybe more of on a basketball standpoint necessarily than diplomatic standpoint, but of the, because the Chinese always believed you had to be tall to play basketball and be good, and Iverson really discount that that theory they had. So when he started going to China, that's why a lot of the Chinese basketball loved him because you know the Chinese aren't necessarily your tallest people in the world and he was he'd go there and, and uh, dispelled that myth so he would be another guy who would probably be good good to go but you know it takes a special person to go there yeah, the, the NBA has done that with uh, guys like Muggsy Bugs and Brandon Jennings like they brought them to India and really stressed oh, that, the fact that, right. that they've right. done it uh, despite despite the height yeah and, and I'm sure Indians would appreciate that Alan Iverson did it with despite not uh, practicing as well that could be something that <laughs> <laughs> Practice. <laughs> well, that and yeah. chai and cookies at halftime. Uh, chai and biscuit at halftime. I mean, yeah, I, I have a feeling he's gonna have a time of his life in India. <laughs> hey, I want to, I want to sneak in a rapid fire question here. J- J- JD, you mentioned Bollywood. How close did you come to getting a Bollywood starring role next to Ashwarya Rai? <laughs> I tried. I tried so hard to get into Bollywood, and I just could not. People would send me scripts and say, "Oh, we're gonna do that." I mean, I was, I super tried that in a reality show. I tried to get a reality show. Actually, I was in talks uh, for that. I remember it, that. It looked yeah. like it was. Gonna, it looked like it was gonna actually happen. Yeah, yeah. Which would have been fun way to uh, to travel the country, and that would have actually been a way to to show the growth and history of India basketball had I had had that happen. But I'm, I'm still I'm still here. I'm actually from from past life I have a SAG which is a union card as an actor here in the US for commercials and movies that I did in my twenties. So I'm I'm union. So if anybody in uh, Bollywood needs a Bollywood uh, actor, tell them to call me. I'm ready. Oh uh, cool. Are those I'll, are those up anywhere on YouTube? You're you're acting from before I will not <laughs> put them on YouTube. I will actually hide them on YouTube and see anyone who will put them them up on YouTube. Uh, no, no, nothing is hidden on the internet, so now uh, 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 yeah, people will find maybe, it. Yeah, it yeah, <laughs> yeah, probably so. I did. I mean, I was in a movie called Game Day, starring Richard Lewis, which is maybe the worst movie ever. And then I was in a, the Jimmy V story at a small, small part. I was Jimmy Valvano, and then a bunch of commercials and stuff. And that was a long time ago. I mean, that was, gosh, I hate to say, twenty years, but that was almost twenty years ago. Yeah, all 25 listeners of this podcast are going to be able to find that. Oh, <laughs> wow. It's going to break the internet. I think the internet is going to go viral now. It's going to, bring, it's going to go retroviral. I, I, I just can't tell. <laughs> Jerry, who's hey, the... As we speak, I, I found the IMDb page for Game Day, so guys, oh, we're getting there. Oh, wow, wow. Well, it, the, it, it, has, it has a, let's say, a surprise ending. So if, if you're into... Off culture, counterculture, as they say, sports movies. <laughs> then maybe that's the one for you. 
Jay, who's the best player that you ever coached? That I ever coached for a season or coached just trained or... You can, you can answer for both. Um, I mean, I did workouts and there were a lot of NBA guys who have who've come through some of those workouts. So, uh, you know, who's better than who? I mean, if you get to the NBA, you're pretty good. Um, obviously, uh, guys who I worked with and, and girls... Um, I mean, Troy Murphy uh, had come to stop Smush Parker when he was playing. Um, I did workouts, Mike Dunleavy, Sean James, some of them group workouts. Uh, those are some of the bigger names. Uh, there was a woman I worked with for four years, put a lot of time into, named Shay Duran, who's the best uh, Israeli to ever play. She won a national championship at Maryland and is still playing, uh, played in the WNBA for the Liberty. So on the female side, that was it. And then from my, my high school, when I was coaching high school, we had a couple of kids, I think seven kids I coached played division one college basketball, which over here is a, is a pretty good, pretty good measure of being good. Uh, one of them, Donald Brown, uh, played at Bucknell and was on the teams that beat Syracuse and Kansas in the NCAA tournament, and he was one of their best players, and now he's coaching. He was with Shaka Smart down at VCU last year, and this year he's at Eastern Tennessee State as an assistant coach, and he's got bright future in, these, uh, in, in, the, coaching, in the coaching world. And then um, another kid that played for me, Kevin Spans, the Division II coach at St. Joseph's College. Those guys were those guys were, were were pretty good. I mean, but there was tons of kids like Danny Green would be in the gym all the time when he was a kid. Um, so, so many, so many. I mean, so many guys uh, been blessed and fortunate to be around, and you know, in some cases, uh, spent a lot more time with them and on the court and and reevaluating their game and teaching them how to get better. And others just. You know, it could be a five-minute conversation. Hey, I saw this, and maybe you want to take a look at that, or I sent them a book, or something like that. Um, so, just it's it's it, it's part of it's just being in the game, and part of it's being in New York because there's so many players here, and being a part of that, and uh, actually looking forward to getting back into into more of that in the, in the very very near future. I've just been um, actually the very near future, and I'll keep you updated. Oh, that's cool. Um, what, what do you think are the biggest similarities and also the biggest differences between your times in China and India? That's a whole podcast in itself. <laughs> uh, if you had to, like to give like a dumpling-sized answer to that. A dumpling-sized answer. Why not <laughs> Why not a samosa-sized answer to that? Yeah, so <laughs> I, would, I, would, I would say uh, Chinese basketball uh, clearly it's top down communist system everyone does the same thing uh, there's very in a, in a sense very little freedom however the big the major difference between China and India basketball was what people don't realize and I did uh, it took me some time being in China to, to understand is that China had a hundred year basketball history and even though it's not as well documented in the U.S., partly probably because of the translation, as the basketball history in the U.S. is documented. But China had a basketball history. So when people understood and they saw the growth of Chinese basketball, what they didn't realize is that 
the Chinese have already had a sports school system put in place hundreds of years. So they've had an Olympic team. They've had, not that they were world leaders, but just as far as the organizational standpoint, which is the backbone and basis towards um, you know talent growing and, and such, that's number one. I think also their education system is much different. And China, every... every um, the philosophy is that everyone will learn how to read and write. In India, the, it's that they decide to overeducate the, um, in some cases, the upper class. And because of that movement, you've seen Nobel Prize, you've seen top top folks. But in China, and uh, you know, it, everyone can read and write. So it, 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 that that basically, um, I think in in India, it, in a sense, limits your talent pool because. Anyone who has the luxury and freedom to play sport, their family were probably industrialists. Their family were probably wealthy. Their family probably, they didn't have a need, these kids. Like in the U.S., sports is a way not only to learn about life, but it's a way to grow grow, grow yourself to a better life. And I think that in India, um, the folks who had the freedom to actually improve their games uh, were not, encouraged because there is no professional real league there i mean satnam is a bit of an outlier i don't think there are too many satnams even in the mix now because of because of his uh size i also think that uh as part of the culture basketball means something a little bit more i'm not talking about the fervent uh, folks like us who love india basketball but um, I think generally speaking, the population, they feel like it's a basketball country. They're not that great in soccer, um, you know, gymnastics. So what, you know, I mean, they think of themselves as a basketball, at least the time I was there. That could have changed. Uh, India, I think cricket is so out, far out in front that when you compare it to any sport, almost anywhere else in the, in the world, it doesn't get that fervor. Now you take a million, a billion point three and everyone, you know, is watching or rewatching the 1989 or whatever it is, Cricket World Champion. I guess they won more recently now. Yeah, and replaying that. I mean, it just goes to show you how, you know, how nostalgic, you know, that is. But the funny thing about this is that uh, I, th- I think it can change. I mean, as better coaches go to India and, and they start to grow, uh, as, as Satnam gets some exposure, if, if uh, they can actually create a system that and there, there is a bit of a system but it's got to get better where guys are you know, really getting jobs in the game and around the game that you'll look back in 30 40 50 years and you'll say oh okay so india india does have a basketball um tradition history and culture and this you know we created that and and it was a you know wonderful thing to to be a part of. I mean, that's all anyone can really ask for in the game is just being, you know, able to, to, to be a part of it. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a culture, you know, it's just a blessing. So to, to, to do that. But those are the main differences I think between uh, China and India. Okay. I'll just add to something you said a bit earlier about, um, uh, about how the, the kids who play basketball in India either have the luxury or the freedom to do, do so. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually feel it's also it's it, it's two ends of the spectrum because most of the players who actually break out and make a national team make it out of situations of uh, of near desperation almost because for them it's basketball is 
the one way to get a secure government job. So no, and, and that is mm-hmm. and and that is what they demand. So I think that's why a lot of our a lot of our star players, even a lot of the fans of the NBA may come from from families that you know have time to allow them to watch the NBA. But mm-hmm. I think the actual top players in India come from the exact uh, you know almost all of them come from the the poor opposite spectrum of you know the socioeconomic situation in India. The uh, look, like I said, I mean, I've been out of India for a while. You know, things have probably grown and changed. I mean, the good thing about basketball in India, as you know, is that there's a basketball court in like every single school. I mean, the British made sure of that in a lot of ways, and that that's great. I mean, that's really all you need uh, for 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 basketball. Um, you know, I think that um, that alone with a bit of passion will definitely grow, grow grow the game. And I think there's actually more. I actually believe that India will surpass China in basketball because of the uh, part of it's not just the sheer number of people, but for two, three reasons. One is English. I think the coaches can communicate uh, with other coaches around the world a lot more effortlessly. Uh, than with a translator. <clears throat> That's one reason. The other reason is India, to me, it's like a dance. And getting across the street is like a dance in India, navigating space <laughs> in India. And that's something that uh, is very important for a basketball player. And I think that it's it's an eight. I really, I think it's I think it's an eight. And I think, you know, if you look into, not to get too, uh, delve too deep into something I don't know a ton, ton about, but you look into the Marbata and just, um, if you look into... Uh, mythology and Hindu mythology. There's always a, there's always the hero, you know, and that's a very powerful belief system for kids to think. Uh, and, and some of those stories really resonate. And I think as uh, as we go on, we'll see, we'll see how it goes. Well, well Mahabharat is definitely a good, um, you know, allegory for basketball because you know the Pandavas were five brothers. It's a starting five. There yeah, you go. They all get out there. Yeah, there was a there was a sharpshooter. There was a there was a long range shooter. There was Bhim, who's the center in the middle. Yeah. Uh, Yudhishthir was the point guard. You know, like they they had it on point. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. That's what I'm saying. I, I I definitely I when I was in India I went to the TED conference there and Devdeep Pandit went through his job as chief belief officer over at the Future Group and he had a and it's a great. Actually, that is on YouTube, a great segment on Hindu mythology. And he and I spent hours at length when I was in India talking about how that affect culture and and people and their belief systems. So it's uh, very powerful, very powerful stuff, very powerful and, and, and a very interesting perspective on life that changed the way I look at life. All right, Jiddy, uh, that I suppose would bring us to the end of our conversation. It's been, it's been a pleasure. It, there's absolutely no idea how 55, 56 minutes have passed and it certainly hasn't felt that long. So we've had a great conversation. So thank oh, you. Thank, uh, thanks for, a lot. Thank you for joining us. It's, it's been My it's pleasure. Awesome. Yeah, thanks thank a you, lot. Thank you, Yeah, keep in touch. Looking forward, to, looking forward to your return to India. Yeah, absolutely. I'll let you, I'll, let, I'll definitely let you guys know um, when I'm coming back. Pretty, hopefully in the short future, actually. Um, I'll tell you off camera. I'll tell you later. But um, <laughs> I was recently invited back. Okay. All right, guys. Thank take you. care. Thank Thanks. you for your time. Bye. Bye. Yeah. Uh, so, so I want to thank JD Walsh once again for giving us all his time. You know, he's uh, 
he, he he's he's doubled his his talents all around the world in so many different things and uh, he's coached everywhere he's coached all kinds of players coached everyone from you know nba stars to little kids in kashmir you know and he's um, he's budgeting uh, movies i hope <laughs> so there's a the, 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 there's a lot of positive to come from the from the jd walsh experience absolutely absolutely and it just seems like one of the most well traveled basketball people in the world so it's, it's always a pleasure listening to stories and and ideas behind such a brain yeah and uh, most importantly for me he's a next fan so we can go <laughs> on long tangents about a team that very few people in of our of our uh, listener base may care about <laughs> absolutely I, i don't even think there's another next fan in the country apart from you friend I was uh, I I was the first outspoken one. I was a Knicks fan pre pre Melo. I think ever since Melo came and Sadi kind of happened, you know, the, the Knicks fan has grown in in recent years. But uh, l- like JD, I was one of the first ones. And <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, the other thing is that it takes me back. He was one of the first even before I started my Hoopsani blog. He was one of the first uh, people I interviewed. when i was just doing you know freelance journalism about basketball in india i did a story on slam and i wrote about J, um, you know his 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 jd basketball program and about how he he's here to change kind of the the chalta hai mentality of yeah. of or, or, or the philosophy in basketball in india and so it's kind of been um, I, I, like i want to thank him too for giving me that early opportunity when i was sort of not that well known except for you know my my few uh dabbling with slam magazine so yeah, he, he and was, ever since it's been, he was the mellow to you being the uh, porzingis huh <laughs> he was he, he he was the mellow before the, the kristaps came in the scene yeah someone <laughs> should write a latvian rap about me <laughs> i'll do that for you oh okay guys i think that brings us to the end of a really really solid episode of hoop session we are at 22 episodes so i still can't believe that um thanks to all of you who who continue to listen to the both of us who who speak stupid stuff and our guest who always speaks something useful so <laughs> <laughs> thanks for doing that uh, and if you're new to us please feel free to follow us on twitter facebook soundcloud itunes we're we're all over the place you just have to look for the word hope session and uh, we'll be there uh, and i suppose we we'll, until episode number 23 which could be something big no spoiler Uh, <laughs> it could be something big. It's number twenty-three after all. We're not going to say it, um, any other name for episode number twenty-three, right? <laughs> We're not going to say LeBron James. Is, is is that what you mean? <laughs> <laughs> LeBron James. LeBron James. <laughs> all right, guys. Until next time, then. Hashtag India Basketball.